0: Alright, you did it. Nothing exploded. Nothing happened. made it through. You know, there's a a little-known, well, I shouldn't say little-known. For those who like the Lord of the Rings, this is not a little-known character. But for people who are only vaguely familiar with the Lord of the Rings, there is a character that they don't often think about, Denethor II. And I'm going to make the most of this because I only do this like twice a year. Lord of the Rings references are, you know, they're only allowed a couple of times. But um, there's Denethor II. He is the steward of Gondor. Not the king of Gondor, the steward. He is in the place of the great kings of the Westerness line, and so he is uh, in charge, and yet he is not the king. And the thing that we see about Denethor is that he is depressing to be around. He is the opposite of hopeful he is the opposite of the hobbits and Gandalf and uh the king of Rohan he is the one who doesn't believe that they have a chance of winning of course what I mean by the chance of winning is defeating Sauron the great enemy the one who's trying to take over the world and get the ring of power and he believes that Sauron has won and that there's nothing they can do there's no reason to hope He has reasons for this. Personal reasons. He's lost his son, Boromir, his favorite son, his treasured son, firstborn son, Boromir dies, and he can't see any hope for Faramir, his second son. He sends Faramir on a hopeless errand that he's pretty sure will get him killed. In the end, Faramir does not die. He comes back just severely wounded and Denethor wants to take his son with him to the grave. He wants him to be as hopeless as he is. He wants to throw in the towel and he wants everyone else to do so as well. There's other reasons why he wants this. He has gifts and abilities. The blood of Numenor runs strong in him. I know, I know two of you know what I'm talking about. He's of the line of, he has the blood of the kings in his line, and that means that he's gifted. He can read some thoughts, he has premonitions, and also he has a stone called the palantir, and he can look into it, and he can see some of what the enemy is doing, and that sum that he sees is enough for him to be depressed about the future because he has some insight. He despairs and he brings all of Menestereth, all of the city that he dwells over, into that despair. What that cloud of despair hinders, though, what it obscures is hope. That something else is growing. That there are hobbits who are close to destroying the ring. That there is Gandalf and there is um, hope in the world and he's not able to see it. That there is a possibility of victory and that the need for courage right then is the strongest. I think we need to be careful of Denethoritis. Especially when it comes to believing what God is doing in the world. There's a lot of negativity about the church, about... Uh, God's purposes about the state of our country, about the state of the church. A lot of negativity, both from within and from without. From the outside world, many think that what we are doing here is irrelevant. From inside, perhaps we feel like it's somewhat ineffective as well, and we don't know really all of what's going on. It can be pretty dark to look at what God is doing and to see some of what the enemy seems to be doing. Maybe I even contributed to that a little bit by having such a depressing sermon last week about the line of Cain. right? Cain, the, the, the compounding of sin. Cain walked away from God. He murdered his brother. And by a few generations later, we have Lamech exulting in killing. And we see how sin compounds. And even though the grace is there, the wrongness of sin seems so strong. But, in the midst of all of that, there is reason for hope because God is growing His kingdom. And there's a need for courage and a need for recognition that this is His world and His family and His purposes. Yes, as I've mentioned before, Genesis is a perfect book and there is a perfect kind of layout here to this. This number seven coming up so much of the time. And cain and the story of Cain and Abel we looked at last week, there are seven times that the word Abel is mentioned and there's seven times that the word brother is mentioned and there's 14 times that the word Cain is mentioned. So it seems like this idea is being swallowed up by the Cain, 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 the way of Cain, what Jude calls The way of Cain, compounding more than Abel, more than the idea of brotherhood, is the idea of the way of Cain 14 times. But, by the end of this section of Genesis, 35 times the word God is used. And by the end of this story overall in the 5th chapter, it will be the 70th time that God is used very intentional this is a story about the compounding of sin but more than that it's the story of God and what he is doing and we need to make sure that we're not blind to the way that he is growing in the world even when we feel despair coming in or negativity and the truth is he is doing that by creating and he always has an alternate community an alternative community. Here's what I want us to see today. In the midst of generations walking away from God, sound familiar? That's that's where we are now. It's where the world always is, is in a sense. In the midst of generations walking away from God, there is always an alternative community where the seed of God's kingdom is growing. There is always a seed growing. There is always a line of faithfulness. There is always a remnant. There is always a people of God. And we see that in this passage, how God in the midst of all the compounding of the generations, and how much people have walked away from God. And by the way, we're going to continue to look at it next week looking starting with Noah. And the flood and going all the way to the Tower of Babel there is lots of things that we need to see of how dark the world gets but in the midst of it all he's building his kingdom and he's growing it through this community what does this community look like three things I want us to see today first it is a reproducing community let's just look at this whole idea of a genealogy Because that's what we have here, the story of the offspring of God. Now that has a lot of implications. The first one is this, God is clearly doing this as a way to building His people based on the promise that He made in the previous chapter. Genesis 3.15 is the theme statement of the Scriptures. I will put enmity between you and her, between your seed, He's talking to the serpent there, Your seed, your offspring, and her offspring. There will be a seed of the woman and a seed of the serpent. And when Eve here says in verse 25, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. The word offspring there is the same as the word seed. So, there's a seed of the woman and a seed of the serpent, and this provides the tension for the rest of the Scriptures. The way of Cain and the way of Adam, we might say. The way of the woman and the way of the serpent. And last week we saw that the way of the serpent compounds. It grows. Sin grows in the world and it does bad things. And we're given a genealogy of Cain. Cain has Enoch and then Enoch has Mahujael and on and on. And then this story is a story of degeneration. Whereas the one that we read today is a story of generation. The goodness. This is what God does. He has a church. He has a remnant. He has an alternative community. There are ten names. I mentioned that here. Ten names. And in the way the Scriptures lay this out for us in blocks, ten between Adam and Noah. There are ten more between Noah's son, Shem. That's the son who receives the seed of the woman, Shem. Shem. From Shem to Abraham. And from Abraham to David is ten generations as well. Now, we don't have to believe that those are perfectly ten generations. There are many other sons and daughters that are mentioned here. And those are the significant names, but they tie a thread through history. And it's this church is reproducing. There's a pattern here. This is how God works. There's more then just a suggestion here that this is the way that God works in the world. God does what He wants. He can work in extraordinary ways. He can call whomever He wants. But most often, the way that God works is generationally. Most often, what He does is create families that follow after Him. And these are the generations of the families of the god of those who follow God. What gets passed down, the first thing is the image of God. Look at verse 1 in chapter 5. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female he created them, and he blessed them and he named them man or that word is Adam there, when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So the image of God gets passed to the next generation. The likeness of God that is on Adam gets passed to Seth. And the sin of Adam, when he walks away from God, does not destroy the image of God. And even the death of Abel, the firstborn in the line of the woman, The death of Abel does not destroy the image of God. It continues. God continues to get put His image on people, His people. Notice also the names themselves. How the names of this genealogy speaks about the purposes of God. We're told that Seth is named in verse twenty-five because Eve says, "God has appointed for me another offspring." The word "appointed" there is what. Seth means. It is just the Hebrew word for appointed. Or granted. Or given. He has given me this child. Contrast that with the naming of Cain, her firstborn. When Cain is born, she says, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Basically, what she says there is that i understand what god is doing in the world and i'm here to, to do it she's remembering genesis 315 as well that there'll be enmity between her sons and the seed of the serpent <coughs> excuse me and when cain is born she says okay i've done it you know i've i have born the serpent crusher the story can end now But it doesn't end. As we know, Cain is the seed of the serpent. He is of the evil one as the Scriptures tell us. And so, she humbles herself a lot more when she names Seth. If this is the serpent crusher, if Seth is the one, he's the one who is appointed by God. Not by me. There are other names. We won't go into all of them, but they have significance. To the seventh generation, we have Enoch. We're going to talk about him more because he walks with God. But notice his name, Enoch. Haven't we seen that name before? That is the name of the firstborn son of Cain in the line of Cain. Cain has Enoch, and he names a city after Enoch. But here, there's another Enoch. And here he is righteous. Same with Lamech. Lamech is the father of Noah. Noah. But we've seen Lamech before. He is the one who says, brags to his wives about killing people. And so we see here, even in the names themselves, there are generations that are reversing the curse. And though sin compounds, still God is doing things. He is naming and redeeming the creation. <coughs> Notice also the ages we are given the ages of all of these patriarchs and maybe speak more about that so in the next passage god shortens the life of man in a way to restrain evil but these first generations he allows life to go on so they can establish the world and have many sons and daughters but did you notice in the line of Cain that we read last week, there are no ages. There's no age of Cain or Enoch or Mahujael or whoever else is in the line of Cain. Why not? Why didn't they have their ages recorded? Because they have no eternal history. It makes me think of Psalm chapter 1 which is... You know the picture of the blessed one, the righteous one, the one who doesn't sit in the council of the wicked or sit in the seat of scoffers. His delight is in the law of the Lord. On that law, he meditates day and night. Day and night. But then it says, "The wicked are not so. The wicked are like the chaff that the wind drives away. They are here and they are gone." But for those whom God has chosen, those whom He builds. Through whom he builds his kingdom, they are cared for down to their very years. The years of their lives are recorded in view of eternity. They still die, though. And that is another repetition throughout the passage not just the names, not just the ages, but the fact that this gavel comes down and they died, and they died, and they died. Because as faithful as they are, they don't outrun the death that was introduced by the sin of Adam except for Enoch. They're faithful, but then they die. The point I'm making this morning is that this is a reproducing community. This alternative community is one that looks from generation to generation. It looks to the next generation. It cares for the next generation. The second distinctive is that it is a worshiping community. It's a worshiping community. That is what's distinctive about the line of Seth. Verse 26, To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. To call upon the name of the Lord, what that means throughout the rest of the Scriptures is actually... Um, to proclaim the name of the Lord. So it's not as though they were just acknowledging God and, and calling out on His name. They were proclaiming His name to the world. So what's distinctive about the line of Seth is that he invents worship. Pioneers the worship of God's people. What we get from Cain, the line of Cain, is the start of many things. Cities. Cities music if you remember last week we read that his sons who create instruments of music and instruments of war and cities and great things and those things are not things that are necessarily opposed to god because god redeems each one of those things the place where we are going ultimately is a city whose architect and builder is god he redeems the city he redeems the music musical instruments right those who built those instruments. He brings them into the worship service. He even redeems war as he uses it for his purposes to judge the nations. God takes everything that Cain builds and creates and uses it for his purposes. But it's important to see that Seth doesn't begin with his own ingenuity. He begins his line with worship. They call on the name of the Lord. Like Abel, who brought the first fruits before his death. This is what was significant about them. And of course, they did many things. They lived their lives, they had flocks, they had music, they had culture, they had lots of things to celebrate. But what was distinctive about them is that they had a foundation of worship, of calling upon the name of the Lord. And so what we're doing today, by implication, is we are part of this alternative community by being here to worship, to come to this place today to call upon the name of the Lord, to proclaim Him, not just hopefully with our lips and with our external life, but with our very hearts, is what makes us distinctive That this would be the foundation of everything that we do. That in Sunday comes. It's the end of the week. It's the beginning of the week also. This is the foundation of all that we do. It's what the alternative community does. Because there still is a seed of the woman and a seed of the serpent. There still is a cosmic struggle. There still is a line of generation and degeneration. And there still is the need to worship God much of what our lives look like on the surface we don't see these two lines at work we still we live in the same cities we have the same culture we do many of the same things but what is distinctive about us is that the foundation of our lives is that we call upon the name of the lord and we begin there and let other things fit into that rather than the other way around cain never left That first impulse that he had to bring to God what he had already decided he didn't need to bring in his own life. He established himself and then fit God in and we start with the opposite. We worship first. And then we are free to bring in whatever gifts and good things that He has given us. But they become just a part of our life. We are part of the alternative community. Reproducing. Also, we worship. Worshipping thirdly and finally is walking. Walking with God. This is what is distinctive about this generation as it comes to be. Skipping to the seventh generation. This is Enoch. Look with me at verse 21 and following. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. This is the seventh generation of the seed of the woman. What happened in the seventh generation of the seed of Cain? Of the seed of the serpent. We have Lamech. He is the seventh from Adam. And so we have two opposing views here. Two different ways that these lines show themselves. Lamech was known for his taunt against God. Enoch was known for his fellowship with God. And importantly, it's not the phrase that Enoch walked after God. That is another biblical phrase. We see it throughout the kings and the prophets. This king walked after the Lord his God. He walked after Him. And the idea there is obedience. Obedience. It's ethical responsibility. They walked after the ways of God. But this is a different phrase. This is the phrase, he walked with God, which is a different biblical phrase that has to do with the priesthood. In the minor prophets, that phrase is used to talk about the priest, the high priest, when he would go into the Holy of Holies. The most holy place in the tabernacle and later the temple. To be with God. And so Enoch is a priest of the Holy of Holies. He is with God wherever he goes. He then is held up as an example, both in this passage and through the rest of the Scriptures. He's an example of someone who lived his life with God, and then even in his non-death, we might say, in his transportation, he is with God forever. Forever or as the poet Lucy Shaw says in her short little beautiful poem, Enoch, she says, Enoch crossed the gap another way. He changed his pace, but not his company. That what he did in life is what he does in eternity. He is with God. Only other example of that in Scripture is Elijah the prophet taken up in a chariot of fire We don't know how Enoch goes up, but these are the two examples that were given. And Enoch is, as I said, not just an example in this passage, but also for the rest of the Scriptures. He gets a place in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. We looked at last week. Abel is in that same line. And so also is Enoch. By faith, Hebrews 11 tells us, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever, would, for whoever would draw near to God must believe two things. That he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And that is in fact how we please God. It's how we walk with God. The example of Enoch is, says that we need to first believe that God exists. Now, not many of us wear the title of atheist this morning, I'm guessing, though if you do, you're most welcome here. But functionally, we can all be atheists. We can all stop believing that God exists. We can live our lives as if He is not there. And so, Enoch believed God existed, but he also believed that he rewarded those who seek Him. And so, that is how we also walk with God by acknowledging Him every day, by living in His presence, that He exists, but not only that, that He's a treasure. That He rewards those who seek Him. It's noticing and delighting that gives us intimacy with God. And you may say, well, God doesn't seem to do that anymore. He certainly doesn't seem to whisk people away like he did with Enoch here or with Elijah later. I'm not going to expect that level of intimacy in my life, and that's true. That that is unlikely to happen, but I love how this is generational. The very next passage we meet Noah, the great grandson, and the first thing one of the first things we see about Noah is that he's a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And He is one who dies. And so what gets passed down from the generation to generation is not just the names and not just the ages and not just the image of God. It is also this ability to walk with God that gets passed. He was able to do what his great-grandfather did. Enoch, Noah, walks with God as well. God is creating an alternative community. Always. A community where his image is reproduced from generation to generation. A community where his name is worshiped and is held in high regard. A community where people walk with him together, acknowledging him, delighting in him. He has always built this community and he builds it still. This is his church. The alternative community. So, as we close today, three things that I think we should do with this. We should be encouraged. We should be challenged. And we should join. The first one is to be encouraged. God is at work in the world. He still grows His kingdom Despite the circumstances, whatever it is that has you down about your faith in particular or the state of the church or whatever it may be that may cause that kind of denethor that may I'm not sure this is going in the right direction. Whatever feeling you have towards that, the Lord reminds us this morning that He works still. I love the story of Elijah, the prophet who we just mentioned. When he's, if you remember, he's on the run for his life and he's just running away from Jezebel and Ahab, these enemies of the faith who come from the seed of the serpent. They are the enemies of God and they are the enemies of Elijah. And he is on the run for his life and he goes out into the wilderness and he is so depressed and he says to God in prayer, I'm it. I'm the only one left. And now they seek my life too and I'm going to die as well. And God... Response to him this way. He says, I have kept 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Can you imagine hearing that? Really, truly believing. You're the only one left. And yet, God says, I have preserved 7,000 people. Do you want to follow God? Do you want to walk with Him? Do you want your... Children to know him? Do you want the next generation to follow him too? You are not alone. God always has had, continues to have, and will always have his alternative community in the world a remnant, a people of his own possession, those who follow after him. This is the big picture perspective. It's what we sing about when we say, This is my father's world. This is my father's world. Let me never forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, he is the ruler yet. He is the one who is in charge, and it's his name 70 times through these these chapters of Genesis. That is the main thing about the story. Be encouraged. Be challenged. This means that we are the alternative community. We function differently. A few questions that derive from this passage that we can challenge ourselves with. How are you, first of all, reproducing faith in others? This is what the alternative community does. This is God's main way of reaching the world. It comes to our children first. If you have children, this is what you do, your first responsibility. For them to appear in the line of faith by your influence. Now, He doesn't always use us in that way. And sometimes, as the story of Scripture tells us, the story of Scripture is not a neat, clear line of generations. The line of Seth contains many people who do not follow God. And the line of Cain does contain people who do follow the line of God. So it's not strictly generational. It's not strictly that, but it is often generational. And so there's a responsibility there. If you're not, if you don't have children, whether they've grown up or they're no longer part of your care or you haven't yet been able to or whatever the reason may be, do know that there are people younger, both in faith and in years, to you in this church. And there's a responsibility there for all of us to pass this generationally. Let's have 10 more generations of the name or the line of Adam reproduced here. The second question would be this Like the rest of the alternative community, does your life reflect a life of worship first? Is there a sense in which God gets the fruits, the first fruits of your life, that you are defined by calling on the name of the Lord first? And then letting other things fall in their places. Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. There's lots of everything else in this world, but there is one kingdom and one posture towards God that comes first a posture of worship. Third question How is your walk with God? How is your intimacy? Our closeness with Him. Not just obedience. Obedience is important. Not just though, do you walk after God. But is there a sense in which as a priest, as all of us are, we are with God. Close. Intimate. That is what God is doing, creating generationally people who walk after Him and walk with Him. Be encouraged and be challenged if you are part of this alternative community. But what if you want to join the community? Is this open to everyone? The answer is yes. Even though this is a historical event with historical people, there's a historical line here that continues throughout the Scriptures. The Scriptures are clear that we can join this alternative community and this family. How? The answer is, as always, through the offspring. Through the seed. The same is true for us. Seth was the seed of the woman. He was the granted one. That's what his name means. The one who was given. And so clearly, in this passage, Eve says that this son is given and gives words to the prophet Isaiah later who says about another seed of the woman, unto us a son is granted. It's given. Seth was faithful in his generation. Lamech, the second Lamech, is faithful to redeem the name Lamech. Enoch walks with God and redeems the name of Enoch. And all of them are faithful. And all of those people have a place in the line of God. Many of them are in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, this person, they are the great cloud of witnesses. They are faithful. But not one of them was the serpent crusher. Not one of them fulfilled Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. You shall bruise His heel. Who is He? Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth was the seed of Adam that crushed the head of the serpent. He is the Son of Adam and the Son of God. And By union with Him, we become part of the genealogy of Scripture. You can be Seth's son. You can be then by definition Adam's son. Then by definition the Son of God. How? By being united with Christ. By repenting and believing in Him. We are those who are far off, who have nothing to do blood-wise with this line can be grafted into the story of God through His redemption, through what Christ purchases for us by His death and then His resurrection, defeating death. That then gives us access to the Father through His blood, and we are brought into the family of God, adopted, and therefore part of this line as Luke says in Acts 17. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has, here's the word, appointed And of this, He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. Jesus Christ has been appointed by virtue of His resurrection to stand at the end of the world and judge the world in righteousness. He is the appointed One unto us. The Son has been given. And the passage tells us that it's through repentance, it's through turning from our sin and towards Christ that we are then in actuality received into the family of God, made His sons and daughters, and therefore have access to Him. And we then are written into this book, into this line, and we become part of the beautiful and growing seed of God, His alternative community in this world. Let's pray.